There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. How do you talk to children about money? How do you teach kids financial education? This episode might seem like it's for parents with kids, but as you listen on, you realize that some of the points really make sense for the adults as well. We talk about why is it important to start teaching financial education from a very young age before seven years old. Why is it important to start early? And at that age, how do you talk to kids about money? Do they understand? What are some of the tools that you can use to help make learning money fun for them? At the same time, with technology and social media, does it make it harder for children to understand money? For example, we live in a cashless society. You use your apps to make payment. You use credit cards. You don't even see physical money transferring hands. Without the physical transfer of money, right? Children don't have something to visualize, something to see. Does it make it harder for them to understand money? Does it shape their perception of the world with regards to money because of this cashless society, because of technology, and because of in-app purchases? How are they going to handle money? Does it influence them in the future? Let's talk about some of these topics and learn how to teach children about money. Hello, my name is Andrew and welcome to another Chew with TFC episode. In this series, we talk to interesting people with relevant experience and insights to help us learn from their perspectives. My guest today is a qualified actuary who's born and raised in the UK. Currently, he's based in Vietnam, Hoi An to be specific, to spend more time with his wife and two kids. He has created lots of content to teach children and parents about money and financial education. You can check out some of his work at bluetreesavings.com. Let's welcome Will Rainey. Why is it important for kids to know about money? Yeah, it's really important because there's like quite a bit of research that shows that children actually form many of their adult money behaviours by the age of seven. So this is a big research paper done by Cambridge University in, in England. So it kind of blew my mind when I, I saw that or read about that because I remember when I was seven, I was never really thinking about money or I don't remember how many remember any money conversations at seven but what we're doing is we're kind of observing the world around us at that age we're just sucking it all in and at that point we're seeing money being spent by parents or adults uh, we're sort of picking up on any conversations and it's so so important because if at seven all that children see is that money is for spending then it's just going to get keep hardwired in and then later in life when they learn about other uses of money, it's essentially trying to say, you've got to try and rewire their brains. And that's just becomes hard. So what we want to do is from a young, young age, is teach kids about the different uses of money, get them to start forming really positive, healthy money habits from a young age. And then they'll kind of stick into adulthood, rather than sort of not teaching them at all and hoping they pick up good habits. And if they don't, you have to try and unwind it. And that's, as we know, habits are, are so hard to change. So it's really important that we have kids having a, a positive views about money, because if they think positively around money, then they're more likely to want to manage it and learn about it, but also forming these great habits. So the younger, the better. 
I think that even before seven years old, based on this research, we should really get them started. How young should they start? So even from the youngest age, so even before even talking about money, there's some things that parents can do that helps with money. So it's stuff like patience. And patience, if you want to be financially healthy and wealthy, in my view, you have to be patient. We know this from if you want to invest in the stock market, you can't expect to have high returns in the next month or something. You have to wait for a long time. And lots of people start investing, don't see returns in the short term. And the same thing with um, spending as well. People be able to save up for the money. They just want it now, so they use credit cards. And it's all about patience. So even from kids, even when before talking about money, you can start getting your children to to sort of learn to be patient. So I used the example of giving my children a chocolate bar. I let them eat most of it, but I always try and get them to save just a little bit in the fridge for tomorrow or the day after or whatever. So again, they're seeing that they have to be patient. And if they do, I give them a little reward. So I'm kind of teaching them, be a patient with some of your uh, some of your chocolate and I'll give you a reward. And then the same thing happens with money. If they, they can get some money. So with my children, I've been giving them pocket money um, since they were four years old. And every time we give them some pocket money, we say you can spend most pocket of it. Pocket money at four years old? Yeah. And again, just small, wow. small amount. It doesn't matter. <laughs> just a little bit of pocket. Okay. And just saying to them, go to, we'll go to the shops and we'll buy some sweets because that's pretty much all they could afford. Uh, but I always say you have to save just a little bit. And it doesn't matter how small that amount is. It's not really important. It's more about they're getting in the habit of not spending it all. And so for, even from that youngest age, they're kind of seeing, okay. And then I kind of give them a little reward. So you put that, I don't know, whatever it is, 10 cents, 20 cents away. <laughs> and a little bit extra into the pot when they do. And so again, it's just very small amounts, but it's getting them to habit and showing them that if they are patient, they get a reward. And so when I'm talking to parents about this, I always... I set out what I call the three rules of wealth, and that's make sure that you spend less than you earn, that you sort of invest what you save, and then you be patient. And to make that kind of fun for children, I kind of use this analogy of money being like seeds. So I say to my children, think of money like seeds, you can give that seeds away, and that's just like spending. But straight away, they're like, oh, what does it mean when you plant those seeds? Because kids know about seeds. And that's when you sort of say, well, that's like saving and investing. So you, every time you get 10 seeds, always keep one. And then the next one, which is to invest, is to plant the seed. And that's when the, the seed starts to grow. And lastly, they know that seeds or trees don't grow overnight. So they know they have to be patient to see these trees grow. And it's just a really easy way for them to kind of visualize money in the future. It gets them to follow these three rules because, the, say, the first one is spend less than you earn. So that means save some of your seeds. Second is plant them, which is invest. And third is be patient, which is let your trees grow. And it's just a fun way. Um, and hence why my company's called Blue Trees. So my kids will, will say when they put in some money away, they'll say, how many blue trees do I have, daddy? Or daddy, I want to put some money towards my blue trees. And we kind of show them on the computer their savings and we show them in trees rather than in money just because it's more engaging and, and fun for them. And they compare it amongst themselves about who's got the most trees. <laughs> Right, because um, you're saying that trees is a really good analogy and a visual image for children to understand. Yeah. You mentioned the three rules of, of money. I was going to ask you, like, how do you teach them such you know, hard topics about money itself? And do they relate well to this tree analogy? I don't know, we're city kids. <laughs> do we relate to, to trees and nature? Yeah, well, so I don't know about all schools, but I know my kids are learning a lot about in the environment and the rainforests, etc. 
uh, and like making sure that they grow up sort of trying to be good global citizens and not use uh, lots of plastic and, and stuff like that. So they're learning all this at school. And it, it's really nice because I say to my kids, right, we're, we're planting all these blue trees. When you're 18, are you just going to go and chop down all of your your trees and go and spend it? And they're like, because they've got this like really strong affiliation or sentiment about these trees. They're like, no, we don't. The thought of cutting down a tree <laughs> um, sort of almost pains them, which is like a complete win for my side. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they completely get the, the tree analogy. And I use, so in my book, which is Grandpa's Fortune Fables, uh, we use lots of stories which have these tree analogies, but it's not just for the free rules. It's about debt and we can use it about tax and just how you should invest as well. So the tree analogy just works. It just makes it fun. Whereas money is quite abstract and it can be quite arbitrary in terms of the numbers for young kids. So using the tree analogy, just it's just simple and they, they, they get it. They see trees and I say it puts money into the future. So yeah, I recommend all parents uh, start a conversation about money using that analogy. Apart from using trees, how to make it fun for them though? You mentioned earlier on that you used the chocolate, which is, I think, similar to the marshmallow test. You mentioned yes. it's training their patience. It's also training whether they have delayed gratification. Uh, apart yeah. from all these, how to make it fun for them? Yeah, so I, I, I like stories. And so mm-hmm. whenever I sort of set out to teach my kids about money, I didn't want to just be like, right, I'm going to sit down and do a lecture. I tried to think of stories they might have heard and then just kind of put a little spin on it to uh, to make it about money. Or I just, when I was putting them to bed, trying to come up with new stories, which had a, a key money message. And hence, I've been doing that now for sort of like two years, coming up with these different stories, all focusing on a, a different money topic. So I find stories are really good. And it doesn't have to be fictional. They can be kind of real ones as well. And then just put into a twist. So I like the story of... There's a guy called uh, Sam Brannan, and he was became one of the wealthiest or richest people during the American gold rush. So it's in like the 1845 to, I can't remember when. And so everyone was flooding because they found gold and everyone wants to get rich quickly. And so Sam was there and he didn't go looking for any gold at all. He didn't find any gold, but he told everyone, come, 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 there's loads of gold to be found. And then he sold everyone a shovel <laughs> and he made so mm-hmm. much money from uh, selling the shovels that he became essentially the wealthiest person there. <laughs> and so it's just a, a really fun real life story that my kids kind of c- catch on to. And it's one of the stories in kind of adapted in my book. One of my favorite personal finance books is a book called The Richest Man in Babylon. And I recommend mm-hmm. everyone reads it if they haven't. And it just goes through about how to build wealth. And it's all it's written for adults. But it's all done in story form, and it's by far one of the most easiest to read, powerful financial books there is. So I wanted to kind of replicate doing some of that for children, because adults like stories and kids like stories even more. So yeah, whenever you can, you see a little story or a real life story, just tell your kids, they'll they'll, they'll love it and they'll learn something from it. Okay. What do you think is the biggest obstacle in teaching children about money? And I mean, from your line of work, you work with the parents as well, right? You have to teach the parents on how to teach their kids. What's the biggest obstacle in all of this? Yeah, so one of it is about belief. And it's about, as par- lots and lots of parents have never been taught or adults have never been taught about money themselves. And a lot of adults are actually in financial stress. They've either got debt or they're worried about general payments. And so you have these parents 
who are struggling and don't have the knowledge. And they're saying, well, how am I supposed to teach my kids about money? Why do I want to talk to my children about money when it's, I'm finding it stressful? I don't want to put stress on my child. And so that's one of the biggest blocks. And so overcoming that is a hard one. But the way in which I've talked to parents say, actually, if you break it down into the simplest of actions that you can help your children do, and that is to help your child save a little bit of money every time they get some. And therefore, it's so, so simple. Every parent can do it, no matter how much money they have, what family background they have, or how good their kids are with numbers. All children can do that. And if that's the, if they can just do that, it doesn't matter if they don't go on to learn all of the different jargon that comes with money or start doing all the different types of investments. Just that one act of saving every time that they get some money is going to put them ahead of around 70% of people but so much, so many people are in debt. So that's the first one about having that belief that, oh, I can't do it. But trust me, if, if you teach your children to do that, you're so far ahead and you're well on your way to having your children grow up financially healthy and wealthy. The next big barrier is this kind of knowledge gap. As I said, most parents and adults are never taught about money. So they get a bit scared of different topics. So A, there's knowledge about debt. So people don't fully appreciate the sort of dangers of debt. So you'll hear lots of stories about people who think they can afford to use debt because they only look at the monthly repayments. They don't look at the total costs. Um, but then there's the other one, which is investing. Like So investing in the stock market is the most sustainable way to grow your wealth over the long term. And yet so many people don't invest because they think it's either complex, they think it's, or they think that you have to have loads of money to invest. Or they just think it's too scary. Oh, I've heard lots of stories of people investing and they've lost lots of money. And so there's this big, big barrier to say, I'm gonna, why would I even teach my kids this? It's too complicated for me. Whereas actually when you kind of break it down, and this is kind of goes back to my years of kind of experience working in um, the industry, investing can be very, very simple. And in fact, there's a huge advantage to try and keep it as simple as possible. Lots of people try and make it complex because there's money to be made with complexity, but actually keeping it simple in investing. Is... So I've been teaching my sort of daughters and they're like seven and nine for the last couple of years, all about investing in a very, very simple way. And I've shared that in my blogs and in my book to show how, that. I mean, how does, do you still use the tree analogy or how does investing come into play in teaching children? Yeah, so there's two bits. One is about the tree, but the, the main bit is to, when, so I actually taught my daughters when we were in Hong Kong and we were sitting in McDonald's. And so for, since they were born, we've been putting money into a global investment fund, which invests in thousands of companies in a very low cost way. And so invests in all the big companies. And one of those companies was McDonald's. So we're sitting in McDonald's and we said to them, did you know that you own a piece of this McDonald's? Because we invest your money and that's what your blue trees are. And so they got really excited really quickly. They're like, what, well, we own this tray, we own this seat, we own the bins. And I was like, yep, <laughs> you own it all. Uh, you own a small bit of it. And also all those people in the queue, queuing up to buy their burgers and their Happy Meals, some of the money that they're giving to McDonald's is, is, is your money because you own a piece of McDonald's, not just this restaurant, but all of them around the world. And McDonald's takes the money that we've given them or invested, and they use that to uh, create new burgers or open new restaurants. And the more burgers and the more restaurants they have, the more money they can make. And the more money that they make, the more money that you make. 
And so straight away, they got this concept of investing means that I own something. So we went around the shopping mall after that and we went and saw the Apple store and we saw all the people buying their iPhones and iPads. And you could say, right, you own some of that as well. So all those people in that shop are spending their money. They're getting a little bit poorer and you're getting a little bit richer because you own a piece of that. And they got, again, just really excited, and especially when you start using the names that they, they know and love. So uh, we're in Hong Kong, so you have Disneyland, so they own Disney and, and Netflix and, and well, Google, well, Alphabet. So straight away, they got that as a, a real life concept. And then the tree analogy just comes in beautifully because you kind of say, well, investing means that you're planting that seed and it grows into a tree. But then clearly one of the big areas is that people worry about risk. They're like, oh, I put some money into the stock market, it can go down. And so mm. why the tree analogy just works because you say, right, you've got these trees, you're growing them, you expect them to go really big over the long term, but it takes time. And also during that period, there could be storms. A huge storm could come along and blow the top off your tree. And that's like a stock market crash. And straight away, they can see, well, what do you do when there's a storm? Do you go off and chop all the trees down? No, you don't. You just let your tree grow back and it'll always grow back bigger and stronger. They're very robust. And that's exactly what happens with the stock market. And at the time, shortly after that, we had uh, the pandemic hit. So we actually showed them the, the stock market chart and saw the big drop off of the stock market. So we're like, look, we've just gone through a storm. All your trees have been, are now smaller than they once were, but we're not gonna touch them. We're just gonna let them grow back. And luckily, they've grown back quite bigger and stronger than they were before. And that kind of example also let us, the, the, the virus and the pandemic helped us talk a little bit about why that happens. So we said, using the McDonald's example, because everyone got told to stay at home, less people are going to go and buy those burgers. So therefore, McDonald's is making less money. But as the sort of uh, pandemic gets a little bit controlled and people can go out and buy burgers or McDonald's starts to deliver, McDonald's is going to start making more money and they're going to grow again. And that's kind of what happened. And so they got this kind of real world example, plus this visualization together is such an easy way for them to, to understand, oh, okay, that's, that's what's happening in investment. And no, kids aren't taught this stuff. <laughs> and, and yeah, it doesn't have to be complex. And if a kind of a seven and nine year old can kind of really grasp that, and it doesn't have to go down to the details. I haven't used acronyms and all the uh, capital gains tax and dividends and stuff like that. You don't need to really go into all those nuances just the basics and it gives them such an advantage. I mean, they can't be looking at candlestick charts and red means bad, green means good. But you did show, show her the chart, right, of when the pandemic hits and then it's all going down and that's when it's a thunderstorm. Yeah, so they like they, they look at the charts and we don't do it very often. That's again, one of my, my big bits is you should not look at it very often at all. Uh, but we had a funny conversation. So I was on my phone and my youngest daughter came up and she said, oh, let's have a look at the, the, the stock market chart. And it was, it was red. So it just gone down. I was like, I was like, oh, that's good because it means that um, we can plant more seeds and more mm. trees, and it's cheaper. And she's like, Dad, but it's red, and you seem happy. But when it was green the other day, you were really happy as well because you meant that might that meant we've made money. So are you happy if it's red or green? I'm like, yes. <laughs> and I was like, and as soon as you have that mentality that if the stock market goes down, brilliant. If you you can just put some more money in after the storm. The ground is ripe for investing more. And if it's gone up, great, your money's gone up. And if you have this positive mindset and have this long-term view, um, yeah, you have, gets rid of all those fears that 
a lot of people have that the stock market's gone down and it's the end of the world. And it's in my mind, you need to have the opposite mindset and see it as opportunity. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Earlier on, you mentioned that one of the biggest challenges or, or barriers or obstacles is the parents' knowledge gap or they might be facing financial stress in their own life. And I think that's a good point because... Well, children pick up financial habits from their parents and it really starts from the parents themselves. I mean, you shared a lot about how you can teach children financial education, but you know, it's your internal barriers as parents that's, that's the biggest. Let's dig a little deeper into that. How do you overcome your own biases, assumptions, you know, like all the, all the false assumptions you have about money such that you can impart financial knowledge to your children? It's a really tricky question because everyone's going to have a slightly different view. But what's been really good is people have to say, right, I want my, even if you're feeling financial stress, all parents can say, I don't want that for my children. And I want to do something about it. So the great thing about what I've been doing is that people are using their children as a catalyst to change that mindset, to change their motivation for learning about money. And we all need that. And I think we need that catalyst because, and the same with everything. Like I know people who have known that they've been unhealthy for a long time, but yet haven't done anything about it. And then there's been either they've had a health scare or they, they start thinking about their children and they, that causes them to change. And so for parents who are financially uncertain or have a knowledge gap or a bit worried, use your children as this catalyst to not just change their lives, but to change yours. Because as I say, money is not a one-off lesson. You don't sit down, give your children one lesson and suddenly they're, they're going to be the next Warren Buffett. It's all about habits and continual reinforcement. So what they need is good role models. And so therefore, parents saying, right, today I'm going to be the day that I'm going to teach my kids about money. And I hope this podcast is that catalyst to start that motivation. Then use that not just for your kids, but for yourself and say, right, I'm going to be a good role model. I might have not been good at spending before. I might have overspent. But I want to show my kids that I can start saving a little bit every time I get some money. So I'm going to start saving with my children. I'm going to start investing with my kids. I'm going to start learning about investing so I can invest their money so it grows. And I'm going to start investing some of mine as well. And I remember when we had a, a talk before, I shared a story of a friend who said, what are you doing for your children in terms of investing? And I, I told them what I was doing. And I said to them, if you want to do the same thing, here's how you do it. And I, I went for a couple of steps and it was very, very quick. They'd set up an investment account for their kids. But as they were already doing that for their kids, they set up an investment account for themselves and they started putting a little bit of money in them and they continued to do that. And then they saw it wasn't hard and they saw the money growing and they started to put a little bit more and more and more. And now they just save a good part of their salaries every year. And it's all because they were doing it for their kids and they just sort of jumped on. Before that, because other people said, like, how have you got this, my friend, to start saving? It's always terrible with money. And it was all about not making it about them. 
because they are spending because they're adults and they've got holidays to spend for the houses and the cars and all these other things that we as adults have as short-term responsibilities and where our money goes. It's really hard for adults to see into the future and think about the future. It's, it's too hard work. We've got too much going on today, but we're very good at sort of thinking about our kids' futures. And so as soon as I made talking about money about his kids' future, he started doing the right actions. And as a result, he benefited because he just said, well, I'm doing the admin. I as well double up, <laughs> do my own admin as well. And it's been kind of life-changing for them. And it was all using the kids as a catalyst. So yeah, all parents who are listening, who are a bit worried, just start thinking what you can do for your kids and then do it for yourself at the same time and you'll see great results. Yeah, because you mentioned patience and a lot of values and things that you know for financial education, right? I and mean, sometimes it's the parents who need to learn. And yeah. so like reaching out to the children is like uh, a Trojan horse for teaching the parents actually. Yeah, no, exactly. That's what I love about the sort of feedback that I get. And again, about the books I'm reading, uh, I've written that kid, parents are sitting down reading it with their kids. And the feedback has been, this has been great. We've had some great conversations, but also I've learned a lot of different things. So about, it's mostly like the investing pieces and about debt, debt um, and a bit about gambling and scams as well. The parents are kind of saying, oh, why is this not taught in schools? Why was I not taught this as a child? I wish I'd have known this. <laughs> and that's what I wanted. I wanted parents to feel more a way of teaching them in a, a non-kind of condescending, patronising way, because I think that's another fear that a lot of parents have. They don't want to go on courses or ask questions when there's experts around because they're a bit worried that it's, oh, I might sound stupid because whilst I haven't been trained, um, everyone else seems to know what they're doing because they have nice cars, etc. But <laughs> most of those people have no idea as well. They're just using credit cards. So it's just trying to use a way of saying, look, here's an easy way of doing it and don't have to worry about feeling silly because it's a story and ultimately it's, it's there to help children as well. So uh, don't feel threatened by this at all. Okay, talk about credit cards, which you don't even see the physical money being transferred, right? I mean, money has taken on different forms nowadays. And talking about technology, there are reports in Singapore about uh, the most recent one I read was a teenager who spent like five figures on some game with in-app chases and she was using her dad's account and she was buying stuff and it was a, it snowballed to like five figures. But there are cases of children who, who's done that as well. Somehow the lack of parental controls on the app cause them to you know start overspending and they might not even know that they are spending real money right if you're a, a child playing your games on your app on your father's phones father's phone you, you know so how do you teach money especially in this day and age where there's technology there's social media is it harder it's incredibly hard because essentially money is becoming invisible and for us as growing up we've kind of had money and we played with money we seen money and transacted using money Whereas a lot of children today might not have had that opportunity. So money is this kind of concept <laughs> rather than it doesn't feel tangible. And as you just said then, when they're playing some games on their, their apps or phone, uh, phones or whatever it is, in the game they might have pay uh, to go into a shop or something like that. And, but it's all in a game. So they're just pressing a button. But then they see that their parents have got similar kind of apps and it's got the same kind of button and they're just pressing it. And it's very hard to tell the difference. What? Oh, that's just the same. And so, yeah, I've heard of stories of children spending thousands and they just say, oh, I thought it was just game money. I just thought it was like monopoly yeah. money. They didn't think it was real. So what happens now is that we as parents or all parents, guardians, have to be more proactive than ever to teach children about money. 
we have to teach them what it is that a transaction when they press this button or when mummy and daddy put their phones to the, and it goes beep at the shops or their credit cards or their watches a transaction is happening and without parents or anyone teaching them that they're not going to know we, we we've kind of grown up and we've kind of gone through the process of seeing what's happening whereas children aren't and so it's all just beeps and cards and no it's not visible so we have to kind of go back to right what lessons did we learn from using cash okay we learned that once you give some money over and spend it you don't get that money back <laughs> we learn that there's a transaction because i hand over the money and they hand me something back whereas at the moment if you just beep something it doesn't feel like a transaction you're just waving your card and someone gives you something it doesn't feel like an exchange whereas with cash it did um, and cash feels real it feels like you've got paper and you give that away and it's it's tangible so we need to be so much more proactive in sort of filling in those gaps that were there which were kind of filled before by cash we have to do it as parents and that means when we go to the shops we can't just not talk to our kids about money we have to say all right if you're buying that that means money's going from my bank account to the shop's account uh, so a transaction's been happening i'm not just waving my card and suddenly we get given all this free stuff <laughs> So that's mm -hmm. one way. And so whenever at this point in time, when people still do have cash, if you have children, I strongly recommend that you, you use cash or give your children cash uh, just to help get those lessons. So the technology is fantastic. It makes our lives convenient, but it takes away learning lessons. And also technology means that we spend more. And we're already in kind of a, a consumer world and instant gratification with deliveries being expected the same day or the next day. And technology is facilitating. What should the conversation be like? Because with investing, you can use McDonald's as an analogy. And with um, saving money, you can use a tree as a visualization technique. But with, you know, credit cards, it's just digits on a screen, right? I, I can't be showing them the digits on a piece on my screen, on my phone, you know, and this is money transferring from me to the merchants. How does yeah. the conversation go? So I'd really recommend that this is one of the topics where you try and use real money. So mm -hmm. you actually sort of sit down with them. It doesn't have to be in a shop. It can be at home and get some real money out and say, right, this is what happens when we go to the shop. And you can even, it's just like a kind of play, role play being the shopkeeper. And you say, look, you give me this money and I'll give you something else. And it again, just shows them that this is what's happening. This is a transaction and here's the money and I've got lots of these banknotes, but I don't carry them around. I carry them on this card. And when I go to the shops and I beat my card, some of that money goes from my card and you can kind of show them with the notes and pass it over to, to them and, in exchange. So rather than trying to use an analogy or stories, I, I find for that one, it's best to be as real world as possible so you can actually see, right, this is a banknote. This is what we used to have. Mummy and daddy used to have lots of them in their purse or wallets, smaller denominations, and we used to hand them over. And co for convenience now, we don't. We use these cards. Um, so, yeah, this one's not a gimmick, not an analogy or story one. This is a, a real life one. So that would be my recommendations for how can you teach kids what's going on? Yeah, tell them exactly what's going on. Yeah, a physical exercise that you do with them. Okay, we'll talk about technology, we'll talk about credit cards, there's also social media. And I know it goes back to the values, the very first point that you make about patience, but with instant gratification and FOMO and everything that you see on social media, your friends are having all of this good stuff and you might want to get some of them as well. So as your children grow older, how do you get them to you know go back to the values that you have been teaching them all as well? How do you reinforce it? Yeah, no, it's a really good question because 
One of the biggest challenges is this kind of social sort of peer pressure for children, especially sort of teenager children. When we were kind of growing up, we would always compare ourselves to our friends. But in a majority of cases, your friends and your friendship group are in the same sort of social economical place as your family. And so whilst you might compare yourself, it wasn't a huge amount of difference. Whereas children today aren't just comparing themselves to their, their friends, they're comparing themselves to so essentially the whole world on social media. And that just increases that pressure to want to keep up with the Joneses. And so we have to, again, just do a little bit more than what's had to do in the past. And so the way in which I talk to my daughters about this is two things. One is about the values. What do we spend our money on and why? Do we, so we like going on holidays. We, again, we're, we've taken time off full-time work to spend time with our, with our family. And that's what we want to save our money. So when we haven't got, I don't know, the biggest house compared to everyone at their school, and that's fine. We're, we're happy because we've got our money and we're using our money to make sure that we can go on values. So if we bought a bigger house, we'd go on less holidays and mummy and daddy would have to go back to corporate work and not see our kids as much. And so we're choosing to make that decision. And I think having those kind of conversations about why your family spends money on the things that it does and why it doesn't can really help kids understand, okay, it's not just everyone can have everything because that's not the case. And sometimes you don't want to spend. But the other one, and this is a really, really big one, is to understand that, help kids understand that what they see from other people isn't what it really is. And this is one of the big stories that I've written about a number of times. It's essentially rich versus wealthy. And so I want my kids and all kids to kind of really appreciate this because in the real world, what we see on social media is what I call rich. Um, it's people who have got nice clothes and they go on, they talk about holidays and they're always in the sunshine and hotels, etc. And we always kind of like, oh, I want that life. That's amazing. It looks fantastic. But we don't know what goes on behind that. We don't know what, have they got any savings? Are they using debt for doing that? And so what we need to do is rather than sort of just say that that's just rubbish, don't do that, is to try and give them an alternative. And this is where I've been doing a lot of work and hence the book Grandpa's Fortune Fables. And what Grandpa's all about is about being wealthy. And this is about looking after your money. So we uh, essentially it's saying, right, you might not have the most flamboyant lifestyle and clothes, etc. But if you have savings and investments and you're growing this kind of financial forest I kind of mentioned, then you have this security and you can then take time off work because you know that you've got your forest and it's producing seeds while you sleep. So you get money whilst you sleep. And if things go wrong, you can always rely on, on that kind of forest. And those, the people who have that financial security are the ones who are going to be financially healthy and wealthy, but you don't see them around. <laughs> They're not showing off their wealth. So you don't know they're wealthy. And it's like with the other financial, uh, personal finance books, the, the millionaire next door. And it's all about, you just don't know who's got the money. And most of the people who have lots of money and looking after it, you probably don't know, you don't see them on social media, etc. So we kind of need to give children an insight to this kind of wealthy. And that's what I have in my book. I've got these two characters. I've got Richie Raccoon, who finds gold and he's very rich and has nice clothes. Then you've got Grandpa, who's uh, just sitting in his forest, having a nice time, <laughs> relaxed time. And there's like, something goes a bit wrong for Richie Raccoon and he kind of loses all he has. But grandpa's there to kind of look after him and and sort of teach him the ways and once children have see both characters then they can say right which one do you would you rather be like and most of them would choose to be wealthy than rich but without putting the two there they're only ever going to see rich and want to be rich and 
And that's why it's so, so important that we kind of say, actually, there's these other people you don't see around. And these are the ones who are uh, secure and happy and or have opportunities, have freedom. And hopefully they'll, they'll start to aspire to do that. And once you have that, you then don't compare yourselves to other people. Because, like, for example, I now see people with nice things, but I go, well, do they have any savings? They might not. And we know a lot of people are financing a lot of the sort of more radical spending using debt. And so you kind of go, well, that's fine. They can have that, but I don't want debt. <laughs> I want savings. Uh, and then once you kind of think about that, you stop comparing yourself to those people. Yep, those are good tips for the kids and actually good tips for the adults as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Will. Thank you for listening all the way here. Stay after this outro because usually we have some bonus content right at the end. It's like the end credit scene of a movie. But before that, I hope you've learned something useful today. If you like more of this content, join our Telegram group, follow us on social media, sign up for our newsletter. For all this and more, check out thefinancialcoconut.com. My name is Andrew. Stay tuned for the next episode of Chill with the Financial Coconuts. I, I have three more questions. Sure, sure. What's your biggest failure, financial or otherwise, and what did you learn from it? Uh, my biggest financial failure was probably buying my first car and not really enjoying it. <laughs> I, I wish I had a port, saved a little bit longer because uh, it was a lot of money. I just wanted a car. I wish I'd have saved for a little bit longer and had more patience. Uh, bought the car, so I'd have really appreciated because as soon as I bought the first car, I was like, I really don't want this car. And I knew I was going to have to go and buy another car. And that was just going to be a waste of money. So that was definitely my biggest failure. I wish I'd have been more patient. What's the biggest challenge in your life right now and how are you tackling it? Oh, my biggest uh, challenge at the moment is that I've, <laughs> so yeah, really, really I'm, so I'm in this perfect place at the moment in, in being in Vietnam and loving it. But for my kids' education, we have to go probably to somewhere else to live uh, to get the, the schooling that we want for them. And so my challenge is to to see how whereabouts in the world that I want to kind of live that's going to make us happy, but give the kids great schooling as well. Right. So it's about the children, giving the best to our children. Exactly. Okay. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Uh, making uh, a difference to the financial future of the next generation. <laughs> Good. Short and sweet answer. All right. Thank you, Will. Oh, thank thank you. you so much. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.